Well, grace and peace, everybody. This is Pastor Leon, and this is Pastor Cast number 47. And it is episode seven in our series on Habakkuk. And uh, this is the conclusion <clears throat> of that series. Uh, uh, one that I think has been kind of timely. Um, there's been a lot of uncertainty, as we've been talking about um, over and over and over again. Uh, and the news that we keep hearing uh, each and every day, uh, there's not a lot of positive things that are coming out of the reports that we're hearing uh, about what's happening all around us uh, as we uh, are kind of nearing or at least coming to a point over the next couple of weeks where we're being told that uh, the peak of uh, all of the uh, illnesses, all of the the uh, crisis that we're going through <clears throat> in terms of uh, the coronavirus and uh, the uh, the anxiety and the dread and everything that has been uh, kind of building, uh, we're being told that uh, we're going to experience the peak of that in the next couple of weeks. That um, that that there's something on the other side of it, uh, but yet uh, there's also news that is not great. Uh, that even if we do get to the other side of this peak that we're being told is going to happen, where we have like the maximum number up to this point, the maximum number of people that would have contracted this virus, the maximum number of folks who are being uh, treated for it that are in uh, critical condition, the maximum number of people that are going to die. I mean, it's just it's it's like pretty hard stuff to hear. Um, and so for a. a a lot of us, we've kind of tuned it out. You know, we've we've just gotten so used to the drone of all of the bad news. It reminds me a little bit of when, uh, right after 9-11, when there was, uh, there was so much fear and there was so much anxiety and, and so much dread. Um, <clears throat> and, and really, you know, kind of like a low-grade uh, fear that, that just permeated all of society. I don't know if y'all remember this. Uh, many of you probably do, but... There was a there was like a, a color coded uh, way of sort of assessing threat level. And, uh, you know, so it was like, you know, green was obviously where everything was great. And then you got into yellow, threat level yellow and then threat level orange and red and so forth. I mean, I remember hearing like going to the airport and, you know, seeing signs and, and uh, information about the current threat level that where we were. Um, it just sort of stayed in the orange phase for so long, you know, it was like this, it wasn't quite the, the peak of anxiety. We weren't like in dire threats, you know, red threat level red, but it was threat level orange, like all of the time. And that's kind of what it feels like now <clears throat> that there's this constant sort of threat level that, that happens. And I remember after a while, you know, we just kind of stopped paying attention to the color-coded threat level. You know, it was just always the same. It was always there. And so I think that a lot of that has been true for our current situation. <clears throat> There's so much uh, that uh, that is happening, so many new things, so much new information. It's almost too much. It's just almost too much for us to take in. And so a lot of people have, uh, you know, just stopped thinking about it. You know, we, I mean, we, well, I say stop thinking about it. We've stopped uh, acknowledging it to a certain extent, you know, trying to go about our lives, trying to figure out what to do with this new reality. I, I don't want to use the term new normal. Um, it just doesn't seem like a good term to use. Um, there's nothing normal about this. 
And um, I think it's a new reality that we need to wake up to. Um, and there's going to be new, a new reality on the other side of this. I mean, there's, there's, this is not just going to go away overnight. Um, and so it's something that we're going to have to come to grips with, especially those of us who say that we uh, believe in God, that uh, we you know, believe that uh, God is sovereign, that, um, that God is at work in the midst of all this. Uh, it's easy to say these things. It's easy to sort of acknowledge it. And as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus, uh, you know, for Christians, I think we've been all over the map uh, in terms of the way that we approach it. Uh, so some Christians have chosen to see this as a punishment from God. Some Christians have chosen to see this as, um, you know, just some sort of retribution uh, of some kind. Um, and then, you know, other Christians are like, well, we're just being tested that God is putting us through a test uh, and we need to be faithful and we need to make sure that we're being positive and that, uh, you know, that we, we speak to our faith and that we try to be examples to the people around us. And then there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who say that they follow Christ and who call themselves Christians and self-identify as, as Jesus followers who are, you know, acknowledging the pain, acknowledging the struggle and uh, doing their very best to try to find God in the midst of the struggle. So the interesting thing is that Habakkuk is a book that's written for people who are trying to figure this out wherever they happen to be uh, all over the place. Um, and so Habakkuk went to God and had a conversation with God on behalf of the people and then shared uh, his revelation of that conversation to the people of Israel who were in a dire situation. Uh, you know, Habakkuk wanted redemption. Um, in many ways, he wanted things to go back to the way they were uh, when, uh, you know, they were, they were able to worship uh, and, the, and that they were able to have um, a deeper connection to God. He wanted things to go back to where they were when uh, all was right with the world. So who doesn't want that? I mean, I want that about a thousand times a day, uh, especially uh, now. Um, I'm about to, in about a 45 minutes or so, I'm going to be on a, a zoom call with, uh, my son's elementary school. It, it has taken them all this time to try to figure out like how they're going to roll out all of their online platforms and how parents are now going to have to essentially take over education as it, as it will be, uh, for the students. And, uh, you know, this is not something that any of us expected or anticipated, um, you know, if you'd have told us two, three months ago, shoot, if you'd have told us a month and a half ago um, that uh, this is what we would be facing, I don't think anybody would have believed it. But here we are. Uh, and we want things to go back uh, to where they were to a certain extent. Uh, we want to return to a time when we were able just to do whatever it is that we wanted to do, to be able to go out, to be able to have the kids in school, to be able to function uh, in what we then considered normal. But the problem is, is that going back isn't going to be the answer. The past gets idealized. I mean, we want to remember only what we want to remember. And God is all about moving forward. Um, God does not live in the past. Uh, God is not trapped uh, within a text um, that uh, is only for a particular place and time. Although it's very important for us to understand the place and time within which the text is written. Um, and the fact that the text that we have, the Bible, is not one monolithic thing, that there's all kinds of voices and all kinds of spaces and times and all kinds of, of writings and, uh, and struggle as people were trying to do their best to understand God and understand themselves and others. 
Um, and so it's something that uh, has been happening for a very long time. Um, and of course, you know, Habakkuk was writing within a particular moment in the late sixth century BCE. Um, and, uh, and so we need to realize that, that God's not trapped in that past. Um, and uh, God is not trapped in our past. So we can't sit back and think about all the things that we used to do and long for that and realize without realizing that it's going to be different when we move forward, that there's, uh, there's a future that is already ahead of us where God is present in that future. And the future is going to look differently than anything that we've ever known. And so that's what Habakkuk is all about in the end. Um, it's about people learning to trust, uh, that God is, uh, at work. It's about people being able to speak, uh, their fears and to be able to speak their struggle and to be able to bring that to God, to be able to share that, uh, with the divine and to know that there's something ahead that is different, uh, than what they've experienced. But that one thing remains the same, that God is faithful uh, that God is with us in the struggle and that God's presence can be made known even in the worst of circumstances. Sometimes God's plans are a little hard to figure out, right? If you want to simplify it and say that they're God's plans, um, they're, they're hard to figure out. Um, I, I, I really struggle to use that, that terminology now. I mean, I, I, I've always been kind of cautious of it. Um, you know, I've always, I've, I've used that pithy phrase before, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, now that kind of works, but, um, what it implies, I think is that there's, you know, that God has planned all of this, you know, that this is all part of God's plan. Um, I will say over and over again until the day I die that God does not cause all things. Um, so, you know, if some people want to believe that God caused this virus, um, or even the, the sort of backwards, uh, the backdoor theology of that is to say that God allowed it to happen. Um, you know, to, to use that term, I think uh, that God allowed it, it implies that it was part of God's plan. Um, I think God's plans are bigger than than coronavirus. God's plans are bigger than the moments that we struggle and the moments that we feel like, um, you know, there's injustice that's being done to us or that we are um, <clears throat> trying to figure out like what's going on. Our own struggles, our own angst, our own fears and doubts. I mean, God's plans are bigger than that. They're um, there's an overarching theme that that uh, that it, that is present within the universe um, that uh, is just part of who God is. That God is always moving towards shalom, uh, the peace of God, the justice of God, where all things are made right. That's what's ahead, right? Uh, that's the future that is not yet realized, but that we can catch glimpses of. And so to say that God planned all this, I think, is, is overly simplistic and not at all good in terms of theology. God doesn't cause all things, but God is present in all things. God is present in the struggle and present in our angst. And for us to be able to wake up to that and to realize that and to be able to surrender to that, now that's the work that is being done here in Habakkuk. So Habakkuk found himself wondering what God was up to and if God's plans, right? At least that's the way that he sort of interpreted it, uh, whether they were really perfect. Um, he was at the end of his rope. And then God promised him that redemption was coming, that salvation was on its way. And so as Christians, we, you know, we tend to view this promise through the lens of Jesus Christ, who is the, the embodied promise. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the way that that works, that God uh, revealed God's self through Jesus um, you know, is the Christ. So his last name isn't Christ. He is the Christ, uh, the eternal 
uh, expressive word of God, the blueprint for how all of this uh, works. And so uh, Jesus was that embodied promise that everything is moving towards redemption. And so now, like Habakkuk, we wait. Um, We wait uh, in an existential way. We wait for the coming of that promise, for um, the, the time when all things will be made right. And this is something that we know that we wait for. Uh, realizing that it may not happen in the way that we understand it uh, or long for it uh, in, in our time, that God's time is, is different. And we've talked about that, the difference between chronos, the linear sort of way that we understand time, and kairos, uh, these are Greek terms of the way that God sees time, is outside of time. So we do have the promise of God embodied in Jesus Christ, and And we do have moments where we are able to choose life over death, where we're able to choose abundance over scarcity, which is where most of us end up living, especially in a time like this when we are struggling. The scarcity sort of imagery is all around us. Um, I mean, it's present even in the lack of toilet paper and lack of paper towels and, and cleaning supplies and so forth that we see around us. And so for those of us who are struggling and we live in scarcity in these moments where we're wondering whether we're going to have enough, enough of some of these material goods for sure, but enough resolve, enough to be able to get through it. I mean, that's that's the struggle that we have to choose whether we want to uh, to step towards life or step towards death. Uh, this is Genesis chapter three all over again, which is a story that really is Im- embedded within the text Um, because it's a universally true story that's universally true for all spaces and all times, that we always have that moment where we have an opportunity to choose um, what it is that we're going to do, whether we're going to step into God's abundance and to trust that there's a future that's ahead of us that is not like the past, um, but that it's something different and perhaps something even closer to where we want to be. So the last chapter of Habakkuk is a song. Um, it's a song of rescue. And so kind of as we prepare to think about this particular song that Habakkuk sings, let's think a little bit about it, what it means to be rescued. So kind of thinking with me, if you would, um, think about the greatest rescue movies of all time. I mean, I, I usually tend to think of things in terms of uh, my, you know, the way that I understand things. Um, I tend to think of them in literary terms or in terms of movies or music or even art. That's just kind of how my brain works. So thinking about uh, some rescue movies, um, Schindler's List uh, is one that I think is you know, a pretty, pretty dang good rescue movie. Um, in fact, I just finished watching that again. I haven't watched it in a long time, and I watched it again. Uh, it's an unbelievably beautiful movie. Um, and uh, it's probably number one kind of on the list of rescue movies of all time of people being rescued. Although uh, even in the midst of that, right, you know, you, you have this small group of people that are rescued by this one man um, who came to understand his calling and came to understand his purpose a lot more deeply. Um, but the angst that he had, even in that moment that Schindler had, was that he didn't do enough, that he could have done more. Um, there's that famous scene at the end of the movie where he picks up his watch. He takes his watch and he said, this watch could have meant someone's life. He could have paid somebody off to add one more name to the list. Uh, Black Hawk Down is another one. So if you like, you know, like kind of war movies and things like that, that's a that's an incredible movie about rescue. And even in the midst of all these movies, right, there's always 
uh, there's always something that happens that, um, you know, that reminds us that, you know, there's a lot that's out of our control. Um, you know, that there are people who are, who are going to suffer. There are people that may even die, um, in the midst of this, but, uh, but there's, there's this sense of, of someone coming or there's rescue that's going to happen. Last of the Mohicans, uh, is another one of those, (laughs) that famous line, you know, where, uh, 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 Hawkeye basically says to the, to his love, you know, whatever shall occur, I will find you. Um, the searchers is a, another great movie, a classic John Wayne movie about some people who are searching for a young woman who's been, uh, kidnapped by, uh, by some native Americans, uh, some warriors, uh, taken is another one of those movies where Liam Neeson comes for his daughter and just basically kills everyone. <laughs> I have a particular set of skills, right? Um, and, uh, you know, so those are movies like that. Uh, Castaway is another rescue movie, although, uh, in Castaway, his rescue comes when he finally gets to a point where he realizes that he can no longer, uh, stay where he is. Um, he, the, the desire to live, um, and just exist, uh, you know, fades in his desire to, to be able to, to get off that Island. And then of course there's any Rambo movie, <laughs> Rambo one, two, three, four. And I think there's finally a, a, the last one that just happened. Um, so there's other, there's other movies like that, but every one of these movies taps into something that's at the heart of, of each of us. When we're in trouble, I mean, we want to know that there's going to be somebody that's going to come and find us. We want to know that Liam Neeson is going to wreck all of Paris uh, to find out where we are. Or Daniel Day-Lewis is going to don his leather leggings and prime his musket and, and take out some Huron to save us. I mean, we want to know that when we need help, that help is on the way. Uh, and so that's something that really uh, is at the heart of Habakkuk's song here. Um, and so I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll do a little bit of conversation or a little bit of teaching on it. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. This is in Habakkuk chapter three. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. So we hear Habakkuk sing to God, renew your deeds. This is not about Habakkuk's deeds, his works, his efforts, his abilities, his power, success. I mean, this is all about God's. Um, so Habakkuk desires the kingdom of God. He's prepared to work for it, to pray for it, to live for it, but he knows that he can't bring it. Um, he can't bring it on his own. Um, and we need to hear this. I mean, we need, we can promote the kingdom of God through our actions. We can oppose it. Um, you know, we've already seen, uh, what happens to the people who oppose the kingdom of God. That was the conversation about the Babylonians. Um, but God is going to bring God's kingdom. The ark of the universe is, is, uh, is aimed and, and will move towards justice and shalom. But what Habakkuk is doing here is um, he's remembering for himself. Um, he's remembering for himself who God is according to the stories that he's been taught, the, the beliefs that he's had. But in a, in a way, he's also reminding God. Um, he says, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. All the things that you have done in the past, all of those stories, all of those 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 instances that I, I've I was raised on, the the things that I've heard about you, repeat them or renew them in our day, right? In our time, make them known. In in wrath, remember mercy. 
Um, so that last little bit there is, you know, kind of Habakkuk's uh, sort of take and his understanding, kind of a limited understanding of God and uh, his under, his uh, belief in God's sovereignty. Um, so in Habakkuk's mind, this is about God's plans, that God put them through this, that that God caused all this to happen because they were not being faithful. Uh, this is this is a kind of a, a traditional sort of Hebrew, ancient Hebrew understanding. But there's something in the midst of that that I think is also working for us. You know, we hear all the stories from when we were young, you know, all the Old Testament stories of how God parted seas and, you know, sent down fire from heaven, how God... Uh, you know, did all of these things, healing the sick, raising the dead. I mean, all these, all these stories, right? We hear all these things and, and we long for them to be true for us. We wish that there would be a sign that something would happen. Um, you know, there's more to this too. So it, uh, let me go ahead and keep reading. So God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. So he's positioning all this within um, his own context, his glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. And these are ancient Hebrew uh, enemies, right? These are ancient uh, enemies of, of uh, the Hebrew people from way back when, tribal peoples that opposed them and that they contended with for you know many, many generations. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters." So um, the interesting thing about these images that you uh, that we uncover when we begin to read uh, passages like this in the ancient Hebrew tradition um, is, you know, this warrior God, the God who sort of fights for his people. And what uh, Habakkuk is doing is he's using all of these images from the old stories uh, that were passed down from generation to generation of how God intervened and how God fought for God's people. Um, you know, particularly uh, the uh, story of how the people of Israel came out of Egypt and then found themselves at the Red Sea um, with the army of Pharaoh behind them and the sea in front of them and how God parts the sea. And then, of course, um, the, the story goes then that once they had parted the sea and walked across the sea to safety, uh, then when Pharaoh's army tried to pass through the same way, the waters fell over them and and crushed them. Um, so, I mean, I know that this is, you know, there's some, you know, there's some troubling sort of ways to, to interpret this, um, that probably aren't all that helpful, but you have to understand that this is in a context and, and kind of the overarching theme of this is of a God who's going to come and find you, um, that there's nothing nature, um, doesn't stand in God's way. Um, 
none of these things stand in God's way. God is over and above all things and will come and will deliver. Um, so that's what Habakkuk is basically reminding God. Like you did all of these things in the past. Nothing stood in your way to, to save your people. So save us now. Make this true now. Uh, and then in Habakkuk 16 through 19, there's a, a little bit of a, a shift. Um, and he says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will patiently, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, um, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And so what Habakkuk is doing here is he's uh, sort of, he calls out to God, reminding of God, reminding God of all the things that God has done and also reminding himself, right? He's, he's telling the old stories to himself. Um, he's going back over all the things that he's been taught and the things that he's been, uh, you know, that he's believed. Um, and now he's sitting in the reality of the fact that there's this army that's approaching. There's destruction that's on its way. Um, and there's going to be a time of famine. There's going to be a time when things are not going to be right. Um, uh, that all of the things that they used to hold on to as safety and security uh, the things that they believed would, you know, be enough, right? Uh, so we're talking about agriculture. We're talking about, you know, the ways that they would understand wealth through olive oil and fig trees and sheep and cattle. All of those things were all part of their safety and security, and now they're going to be gone. Um, so uh, Habakkuk basically claims that come what may, whatever is going to happen, he's going to rejoice. Um, he's going to rejoice. This is the final amen of the prophets to a certain extent. He, he, he gets the last word to, you know, really to the people. Um, after hearing all these things from God and understanding what God is, has given to him in terms of revelation, he's sharing this now. So I guess the question that we would have is, you know, can we live with this? Um, can we live with uh, these final words of Habakkuk? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Uh, the images there are, um, he gives me a way to escape this, uh, to, to move beyond it. So can we affirm Habakkuk's faith here? I mean, can we join him in this song of trust? I mean, what is he really doing? I mean, is this, uh, you know, I've kind of written about this lately, um, this sort of simplistic hallmark card theology that a lot of people, um, you know, try to produce during times of, of trouble, you know, or when you're going through something, you know, you ever have a friend that will come to you um, and they don't know what else to say. They're trying to do the best they can, but sometimes the best that people have to offer to us is a hallmark card theology. And mostly because our, our sorrow, our struggle, our angst, all the things that we're feeling might be too uncomfortable for them. You know, they don't want to live in that. They want, every, they want things to be better. They want us to be like we were. You know, they want us to be happy. They want us to return to some sort of normalcy. If we're in the midst of grief, whether we've lost somebody, um, whether we're grieving um, the loss of our, our health, the loss of um, our dreams, loss of job, I mean, all these kinds of things 
Um, you know, when there's impending doom, I mean, even right now, you know, we sort of feel that, you know, the impending sort of uh, enemy that's that's on its way. Um, so what people will try to do is they'll try to, you know, maybe come up with some sort of pithy uh, kind of phrase that make us feel better. Well, if God brought us to it, then God will see us through it, you know. Um, you know, all things work together for good. Uh, you know, that God's got a plan. Everything's going to be okay. You know, I mean, I, I do, I do ascribe to, uh, the idea of hope. I mean, I want, you know, I, I want to hold on to that because sometimes that's all we've got. And even, even when we don't believe that we have it, I think hope lives within us. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just there for us to be able to embrace if we're willing to be courageous enough to, to embrace it. And yet, um, I also think that uh, this kind of theology and even the theology that Habakkuk is kind of, you know, intimating here, um, which I think is I think is deeper than that. But I mean, it's it can be taken away, you know, from people can read this and take away from it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm having all these problems. I have all these issues. I have all this fear. I've got these doubts. I've got this sense of impending doom. But I'm not supposed to feel those things because I'm, you know, a follower of Jesus. And so, you know, that's what we've been told is that we're not supposed to feel those kind of things. We're not supposed to doubt. We're not supposed to be anxious. Um, you know, be anxious for nothing. Um, you know, people will quote little verses out of context to us or to themselves. And they will deny the feelings. They'll deny the fears, deny the doubts, deny all those things. You see, I feel that God is in the midst of those too. Um, and I wrote recently that I think that even our fears and our doubts and our prayers of desperation are precious to God. Um, but what I think that Habakkuk is doing here is he's resolving something. He's resolving to surrender to whatever happens, um, that whatever he's put his faith and trust in, in terms of the safety and security, the stuff that he thought would be enough, um, the things that he thought would always last forever, the past that, um, uh, that he longs for, you know, to return to a time when, you know, when things were different, um, when things were more simplistic, when, you know, I mean, all those kinds of things. I mean, he longs for those kind of things. But yet I think there's a reality here that he's saying to himself, you know, I know that this is not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, this is going to suck, uh, you know, to to kind of be more bluntly. Um, and yet I'm going to, I'm going to choose to surrender. I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to believe that God is on the other side of this, um, already at work to rescue. Um, there's a, there's some, uh, theologians, some, uh, kind of more, I guess, literal theologians, uh, who see the Bible more and more literally, um, and interpret more literally, um, that have said that this vision by Habakkuk is a vision of Armageddon. Uh, it's a vision when God will conquer the forces of evil once and for all, and sin and death are going to disappear. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get why they would see that. I mean, if you're looking for it, if that's the way that you sort of frame your theology, that um, that that everything is not headed towards something, um, uh, heading towards redemption and rescue for all of creation and for all humankind. That that's where we're. That's what God wants. That's the God's desire. Um, you know, that's what. Um, um, you know, we find in scripture as well, that it's God's, not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come, uh, to the old, the old language is repentance, but repentance just means an acknowledgement, uh, an acknowledgement of God and acknowledgement of ourselves where we are. Um, and so, uh, if you say, you know, essentially, well, yeah, you know, that, uh, this is a vision for when God, you know, sort of 
conquers evil and and, uh, banishes darkness and sin and death, uh, the brokenness and all this stuff is going to disappear. I mean, it doesn't sound like a bad thing, really. I mean, I know that people who ascribe to the whole Armageddon thing, you know, they almost, uh, it's almost like they have glee. They have a delight in the fact that there's going to be all this destruction and all this chaos and, you know, um, there's going to be war and death and so forth. It's almost like they're super excited about it. And the reason why is because a lot of the people that ascribe to these kinds of things believe that uh, they're going to be snatched away before any of that stuff happens, that there's going to be a rapture and they're going to be pulled out of it. And so they just get to watch it from like a front row seat in heaven uh, eating popcorn while the world uh, burns. Um, you know, that's just really poor, poor theology. It's, it's terrible theology and it's completely out of context and it has no place, um, in, in good solid Christian theology, at least in my estimation. But, uh, having said that, I do believe that, uh, God is, is a God who judges injustice, um, that sees injustice and it, and it grieves the very heart of God to sort of put the, that kind of imagery on God. Um, and it's the same kind of thing that should grieve us, you know, to be able to set things to right. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, was a German pastor who was executed by the Nazis for a plot against Hitler. And so he was imprisoned um, as a result of that plot being uncovered. Um, and while he was in prison, he wrote prolifically um, and sadly was executed. Like even at, it was like the war was over um, and, uh, you know, most of the people that uh, were in charge of these kinds of things were either dead by their own hand or they were fleeing. But yet still uh, the machine, the Nazi machine kept going and people kept being executed. And um, and uh, it was just a terrible, terrible time. But uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, sadly, was executed during uh, that last purge. But this is what he said. By good powers, wonderfully hidden, we await cheerfully come what may. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer is sitting in prison writing words like that. It reminds me a little bit uh, of what Habakkuk is saying here, that things are not as they should be. This is probably not going to end well in the way that we would understand things ending well, but we're going to await cheerfully come what may because there's a hope that there's something on the other side of this that is, is different and is closer than to the kingdom of God than we once were. So I guess my prayer for everybody that is sort of listening to this, uh, the tens of people who might be listening to the podcast, um, is that uh, that we all catch the, the vision of the coming kingdom of God, that we can see it all around us, that we can even see it in the midst of this day of calamity that we find ourselves in, um, that we can see it when we uh, hear the stories. And you sometimes have to ferret those stories out, um, that you have to find sources where people are talking about the good things that are happening, the good news. Um, there's some great sources for that. If you, you go to uh, Good News, I think it's a website that's called Good News. Um, there's some sources there um, of like really cool stories of things that are happening right now, of people that are really embodying the kingdom of God right in the moment. Um, John Krasinski, who is, uh, an actor, one of my, one of my favorite television show, the office, he played Jim on the office. Um, and so he's an actor and director and, uh, he, uh, has a, he has his little show that he's producing from his house that's called SGN, some good news. And so he just talks about the good news of things that are happening and stories of people 
just sort of transcending this moment and embodying the kingdom of God. Now he wouldn't phrase it like that. I mean, that's not how he would phrase it, but that's, that's essentially what, what is happening. Um, we can see this if we're, uh, we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, and I, and I think that for many of us, we can go back to the stories. We can go back and, and we can think about the things that we've been told and taught. We can think about what, uh, you know, these, these miraculous stories of rescue and all the things that we see throughout scripture. But, you know, most importantly, I think for us, the, the things that we look back to are the moments in our own lives where we have realized that God was there. Um, we might have to look back sometimes to see it, <clears throat> to be able to, to really and truly see where God was at work in our life when we were going through a difficult time. And there's going to come a day, there's going to come a day when perhaps we'll look back on all of this and we'll see more clearly um, where God was at work, even when everything seemed to be falling apart, that there's evidence of it. There were moments when we could uh, we could see things happening. And then those moments then uh, should teach us as we move forward into the future that God has in store for us, that we don't have to live in fear, um, that we can simply surrender. Uh, we can let go of all the attachments that we have to all the things that we used to think would give us safety and security. Um, that maybe we'll begin to long for things that matter more, uh, that are eternal, that really do show uh, that God's kingdom is breaking through more than um, we were able to see it before, uh, that, that it's more fully realized. I mean, the kingdom is coming. I mean, it is. It's on its way. Help is on the way. Um, and so we don't, we don't have to be uh, afraid. Um, you know, it's okay uh, for us to, to give voice to our dread and give voice to our fears, but we don't have to stay that way. We don't have to live in that. We don't have to wallow in it. Um, you know, we don't have to let it control our lives and let it control who we are. Um, we should give voice to our fears. We should give voice to our doubts. We should give voice to all of the desperation and the angst and the anxiety that we feel. Um, because when we give voice to them, when we lift them up to God, when we even say them out loud, when we speak of them, it takes their power away. And it gives power to um, the, the hope that is within us, uh, the hope that uh, lives within us and um, uh, has been there all along, you know, because uh, that's, that's what God has done. It's created us with uh, hope embedded within us. Um, I had a moment, uh, it, was, it was this crazy moment where I realized this, I mean, in the midst of something terrible that happened, um, that was probably one of the most beautiful moments that I've ever seen um, where this was kind of evident with somebody who just sang, who sang in the middle of calamity, just like uh, Habakkuk is singing here. Habakkuk chooses to sing this song, uh, a song that uh, in essence really is a song of hope in the midst of calamity. So this was quite a few years ago. I was, uh, I was working um, as a chaplain at Florida Hospital and uh, this man was brought in. He had suffered a massive stroke and so he was on a ventilator and it was determined that he was uh, not going to recover. Um, they were there on vacation. It was him, uh, his brother and his sister-in-law. They had all come to Florida on vacation and uh, they had been having a wonderful time and, and was in the hotel. The guy just uh, had this massive stroke and uh, was now going to have to be removed from life support. So they called the chaplain in those moments in most hospitals to, to sit with the people and to talk through the issues with them. Because, I mean, what's the, you know, they have to make that decision to remove the ventilator. And there's a lot of people right now that are that are dealing with that. 
<clears throat> um, the stories are out there of people that are having to make these decisions and it's just a terrible thing uh, to remove people from ventilators or to decide who gets a ventilator and who doesn't. So those are the realities that, we, that we're living in too. But in that moment, uh, I, was, um, I was able to have this conversation. So I introduced myself to the brother uh, that was there by his brother's side. And so the guy uh, said to me, oh, well, he's Jewish. Uh, we're all Jewish. Uh, isn't there a rabbi on duty? So this was like at night, you know, it was like kind of late at night. And I told him, well, there's not a rabbi on duty. We, we'd be able to contact one um, to come, but it wouldn't be until the next day. And so he told me that they were on vacation from New York um, and that his brother had collapsed. So I asked him, um, would it be okay if I prayed over his brother? And uh, so he said, do you know any Jewish prayers? <laughs> and uh, I told him, I was like, well, I, I don't uh, exactly. But I did know a prayer that was taught by somebody who was Jewish. Uh, and that was the Lord's Prayer. And so he looked at me and he had this like small, sad smile, like in the midst of all of his despair, he smiled this sort of smile. And he said, well, we did have him first, didn't we? <laughs> it was just amazing. I loved it. So I prayed the Lord's prayer over the man. Um, and then everybody was silent. And then finally, the man, uh, the brother, he said uh, to no one in particular, he said he was a good brother. He always took care of me. And so the nurses and the technicians were gathered in the doorway ready to do their work, uh, ready to come in and take the ventilator out. And so the man said to me, I'm a cantor at my synagogue, uh, and I'm going to sing to him now. And so I expected that he would sing something in Hebrew, uh, but he didn't. He sang something else. He sang the Lord's Prayer in this beautiful tenor voice, the prayer that I had just prayed, he sang the whole prayer. And there was this strange light that just appeared in the room is what it felt like to me. And everybody in the entire wing was still. And I looked at the nurses that were standing in the doorway and, and they were crying and I was crying. And the kingdom of God was all around us. The sadness and the uncertainty, the fear, the doubt, I mean, all of it just faded. I mean, it got pushed back. I mean, it wasn't that it was gone, but it got pushed back because this man sang. He sang in the midst of calamity. Do you need this in your life? <laughs> are you tired of being afraid? Are you, are you weary of all of that? I mean, is this wearing you down? Um, then I would encourage you. I would encourage you to sing, you know, to sing a song, your own song, a song of rescue, a song of redemption. Uh, to sing about uh, a God who is present in the midst of all of our struggle, a God who takes moments of death and turns them into moments of life and resurrection and renewal. It may not always look exactly the way that we want it to, but, but when we see the other side of it, when we see that kingdom breaking through, it looks exactly the way that it ought to. So just know this, sisters and brothers, as we come to the conclusion of our study on the book of Habakkuk, that help is on the way. Help is on the way. Blessings to everybody. Uh, we're going to begin a new podcast series after this uh, last one here is, uh, is published. And so we'll be working on some new podcasts. We're going to have more conversations with some other folks. It won't be just me doing teaching. I'm going to be having some conversations with some people. 
Um, and uh, we're going to figure out some cool things to do in terms of this podcast and ways to share this with everybody. And uh, we'll be doing this until I'll be doing two a, a week until we um, until we get to a point uh, where this sort of lets up. And then I'll probably I'm going to continue doing this, but I think I'm only going to do one a week. Uh, after that but until then man uh, we might as well just keep it going you know let's do as many as we can and uh, do a couple a week and that way we can stay connected with one another I hope that this has been a blessing to you I hope that uh, this has been something that has spoken to you and the way that it's spoken to me to go back and and redo these studies on Habakkuk that I've done in the past Uh, so blessings to you take care of yourself be safe be healthy and we'll talk to you soon